You're listening to the Autism in Action podcast, the place for families all across America to connect with autism resources, services, and support. I'm your host, Tasha Rollins, licensed professional counselor associate, private practice owner, boy mom, autism advocate, published author, and autism parenting coach. I help families learn to advocate and navigate through the world of autism. Each week, you'll have a chance to listen in to other autism experts and learn about additional resources. Let's embrace the idea there's more to autism than we know, and there's always, always hope. With the internet at our fingertips, there's no excuse for families not to receive the services they need. This podcast will help bridge the gap of missing information and services for autism all across America. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Autism in Action podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We've got Mr. Michael Large. He is an attorney and part of the law office of Deirdre W. Edmonds in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. He is a father with a child on the autism spectrum. He sits on the board of directors for the Champion Autism Network, and he is a member of the South Carolina Bar and serves on the Vulnerable Adult Task Force and Elder Law Committee. Mr. Large also hosts the radio show, Yes, You Can Talk, on 99.5 on Saturday mornings, and I'm sure that uh, I can't wait for him to tell us all about that as well. Thank you so much, Mr. Large, for joining the show today and being here to talk all about decision make, supported decision-making and guardianship uh, when it comes to our loved ones on the autism spectrum. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Tasha, for having me. Well, I would just love for you to just share whatever you would like to share with our listeners, and um, I can't wait for them to get all of this valuable information. And this is a very much needed topic that we need to have conversations around. Yeah, and there's a lot of confusion, uh, especially for uh, parents with children on the spectrum. You know, they, they work their whole life through early intervention, getting the diagnosis, taking care of the, the particular needs of, of the child, because we all know if you've seen one child on the spectrum, you've, uh, you've only seen one child. That's, it's, they're all unique and they're different. And so parents are you know, working hard all the way through and then these children transition into adults at 18. And they're being told from time to time, um, you know, either from specialists or the schools, or whoever it may be, that they need to get guardianship or conservatorship to speak on behalf of their almost adult child. And um, that's, that's just not the case, especially in South Carolina. Um, guardianship is um, legal authority to handle somebody's personal affairs, much the way a parent would a child. Um, and conservatorship is the legal authority to handle financial affairs. And that's a last resort you should only be seeking this as a last resort. So what the law requires in South Carolina and in very many states across the nation now, because this is a national trend, you look to supports and assistance that with reasonable accommodations, uh, folks that may, you know, um, have some intellectual disabilities or cognitive issues, um, what can they do? What, how, how can you, you know, help them in their day-to-day -day life? So, for instance, we all need supports and assistance. Um, 
in our daily lives, right? Like if I, if I have an issue with my car, I'm not a mechanic. I'm going to go to a mechanic and see what the issue is. And maybe I'll get a second opinion and, and then get the work done. Um, you know, uh, when we, our healthcare needs, right? We're going to doctors, we're getting second opinions and so forth. So we, we, we get supports and assistance every day. And the same thing is true for folks with, uh, you know, intellectual disabilities, or even if you look on the other end of the spectrum, the aging spectrum, uh, seniors with dementia issues, Alzheimer's, right? Absolutely. Um, so in terms of what to do, um, why, why don't you, uh, Tasha, ask, I'm not exactly sure what you would like me to tell the listeners um, in terms of guardianship and conservatorship, but you certainly should start with looking to supports and assistance from family, friends, and, and obviously uh, um, professionals and experts. Absolutely. And I think too that, you know, a lot of times parents, I know for me, when my son was approaching, my oldest son was approaching 18, you know, it was almost fear driven. Okay, we've got to figure out what the next step is. And just taking it, having the ability to step back and, and really look and examine it, the whole situation, and realize that that nobody has to make that kind of a decision um, immediately just because they're turning a number, just because they're turning 18. Um, right. And, and, and just because you're diagnosed doesn't mean that you have automatically, uh, you know, an issue of guardianship, for instance. Right. So you shouldn't right. presume based on a diagnosis that that's needed. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, you just triggered something, parents and grandparents that are taking care of adult children, um, they should definitely, you know, their concern is what happens when I die? Who's going to take care of my child, right? Yes. How yes. are they going to yes. live the lifestyle they led while I was alive? And so that's important um, in the sense that you can put some tools in place, an estate plan in place to help those children, uh, especially when we're dealing with a married couple, it would be the death of the, the second spouse, right? Or if you're a single parent, it's when you die, that this would come into play. And you need to think of it on a few levels. One is in your will, right? You want to leave an inheritance to your, your child, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. And if that child is on Medicaid or other public benefits that are means tested, you need to make sure that the inheritance, that windfall doesn't uh, created a termination issue, right? An ineligible, ineligibility for the benefits. So you would set up a, a supplemental needs trust, a special needs trust, so that those benefits do not supplant. I mean, the inheritance does not supplant the benefits, it supplements them. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? It does. Okay. And then, of course, who's going to serve in the parent role, the guardian role? You can nominate somebody in that respect. And then you can have a trustee who would handle the funds, right? That would have a fiduciary duty to make sure that your child's education, health, right, support and maintenance, all those things, that lifestyle is taken care of in a way that's going to last through the child's lifetime. Now, yes. now that, that's upon death, but while we're living, uh, you're also going to want what's known as a, um, a durable power of attorney. That's a financial power of attorney. And the reason for that is, what if you become incapacitated, but you're, you're still alive, right? Uh, a car accident, um, mm -hmm. stroke, 
dementia. Well, in that instance, you're going to want somebody to serve as your agent to handle your financial affairs and have the ability to set up trust, right? Maybe your child will need some sort of trust will be needed for you and your child or to be, make gifts that are according to your estate plan, your will, so that you can structure it in such a way that your child's being taken care of and so are you. Mm-hmm. And those are two very important documents. Of course, there's a third document is a uh, healthcare power of attorney, which would complete the estate plan. And that's just naming somebody to handle your, your health decisions when you're unable to do so, when you're incapacitated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, a little bit on the side of all of the support systems that you were talking about, there is something of, you know, that's come about here in South Carolina, the supported decision-making um, mm-hmm. document that just kind of runs through. It, can you share with parents how they can access that and, you know, where they can go to for assistance with looking at that? Well, that document <clears throat> is an important step toward um, you know, supported decision-making, uh, sort of the concepts I gave you about going to a doctor or a mechanic or having your taxes prepared. But it's not necessarily a legal, do- legally binding document that banks are going to recognize um, or that's, you know, has the same effect as a properly executed durable power of attorney. Um, but it is something that's important to show that the, 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 allegedly incapacitated individual, that young adult on the spectrum, say, has consented to certain aspects of their life being assisted, right, as an adult. So, you know, it's going to get mixed reviews depending on who you're submitting it to, right? So you can can certainly go to, I believe it's the Supported Decision-Making Project. I, I don't have the link in front of me, We'll find that. Yeah, we'll find that and post it in the show notes for everyone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's important. Um, It's important a way uh, a letter of intent is important to a a special needs trust. A letter of intent is that if you were to die tomorrow, right, you would list all of the things that you do and know about your child for the person stepping into your shoes to help take care of that individual, right? That loved one. Yes. It would list who the doctors are, what kind of foods do they like, what kind of things do they do well and are interested in, and where do they need help? Is it with activities of daily living, getting dressed, right, feeding themselves, going to the bathroom, Um, you know, who are this person's friends, where do they like to vacation? It's all kinds of medical and personal information that's in there. I I akin the supported decision-making document that folks can go look to as something along those lines. It's trying to say, here's somebody who I want to help me with my finances and I'm giving them permission. Now, the issue with that document though is there are low functioning autistic uh, individuals who don't have the capacity to, to execute a document. In South Carolina, you need to have contractual capacity. Um, and, and that's a fairly high standard. So if they don't know who I am or why they're at my office or, you know, can't understand the contents of the document, they're not going to be able to execute that. So what we're trying to do with this supported decision-making tool is to make sure that they have a say in how their life is carried out, right? Mm-hmm. To help assist them as much as possible. But I do caution the listeners 
that that tool is not a magic, it's just not a magic bullet. <laughs> right. It's, it's going to get mixed reviews. It's really just a structured framework on getting the collaboration between you, the parent, the, the responsible, you know, person involved with with their child. It's just just a little bit of structure and it brings things, I think, to the table that we don't think about on an everyday basis. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're all trying to act in our child's best interest. Heck, if you were appointed guardian or conservator, your duty is to act in their best interest. But we want input from those individuals. Your right to self-determination is so important. Think about this. Anyone in America that's 18 years old has the right to travel, to vote, to marry, right? Live where they want. And yes. when you're under guardianship, you don't, those rights are taken away. Right. And it's, it's almost like you're better off being convicted of a crime because, you know, you do your five-year sentence, you're free. Mm -hmm. Guardianship can continue on throughout the, the, the person's entire life. Right. And for a lifetime. Right. And studies have shown that people uh, that have uh, a right to self-determination live longer, healthier lives, more productive lives. And that is the goal for, you know, all of our children that have a diagnosis of autism or any special need is to live fulfilling, long, happy lives. And I, I don't believe that um, taking those rights away without there being, you know, there are some instances where that's necessary, but a lot of times there's, it's not necessary. So the laws that I think were passed back in January of 2018, they really kind of made that a little bit, um, we have to prove that more, am I correct? That, yeah, they went, that, into, they, they went into effect uh, January of this year, 20, uh, of last year, 2019. 2019. Yes, and actually now what the law says is we're a limited guardianship and limited conservatorship state. So any rights you try to take away from an allegedly incapacitated individual, you have to explain to the court why those rights uh, are to be taken away. You know, what supports and assistance have you tried and failed, right? Right. And then any rights not taken away are retained by the alleged incapacitated individual. And for the, for the listeners out there, this is an expensive proposition to go into probate court and seek a guardianship or conservatorship because now the law requires the alleged incapacitated individual has a right to an attorney to be appointed. There's a guardian ad litem who's either an attorney or trained in, in, in medicine or, or a social worker, right? Or training approved by the court. That's mm -hmm. gonna be the eyes and ears of the court and do an investigation into what's in the best interests of, of that allegedly incapacitated individual and then of course you have to hire a lawyer if you're seeking as petitioner to become a guardian or conservator because it's too complicated of a process so you got you got all of those fees plus a medical examiner needs to be appointed and there has to be a finding of incapacity on a medical level so even if everybody's all in agreement we have a low functioning right nonverbal autistic person it's still an expensive proposition in the thousands of dollars. So if you have your estate planning documents in order and you, you've got supports and assistance in place for your child, the, the recommendation would always be to try to go that route as long as possible. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of this amazing, I mean, very valuable information that, you know, all of parents need to really think about and take into consideration and, and realize that, you know, the ultimate goal here is for our children to live long, happy, fulfilled lives and um, to, to keep as much rights as possible for them and advocate for them on that behalf. Um, you guys have an awesome radio show that we mentioned earlier. Why don't you just take a moment and share that again with our listeners so that they know where to tune in and, and check you guys out. Sure. Um, we have a uh, show from 7 to 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings at WRNN 99.5. It's called Yes, You Can Talk. Uh, Becky, my wife, uh, Katie Kraft, and myself are the co-hosts. And we have guests on from time to time, and we're always trying to raise autism awareness on that show. We're a support group online for you folks out there. Absolutely. And they do such an incredible job and they share a lot of awesome information. The championautismnetwork.com is the website for, um, for that. I think that's, is that the website where they can find the podcast? Yes, absolutely. That's a good one. We're on Facebook too. So you can check out what events are going on in the Grand Strand area and, and other places. Well, thank you again so much for being here today and sharing your wisdom with all of our listeners and all of our parents. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Autism in Action podcast. For show notes, more information, and downloads, head on over to TashaRollins.com and join the Autism in Action Facebook group to stay connected. Please leave a review on iTunes and help spread awareness on social by sharing this episode.